Nancy, will Flash always be a dork? Dork? You know, like in the joystick, Peter, Wang, Pud, equipment? Oh, that's what it is. So you didn't know, right? Well, I mean, I, I knew, hey, but... you ever seen one? Sure. Lots of times. What, you got a brother or something? No. Well, then who? Look, come with me and I'll show you a couple of real doozers. Are you ready for the summer? summertime time to have fun in the sun and get laid in the shade and where's the best place to do that with a bunch of underage kids at summer camp whether your camp is religious fat canadian gay conversion or just filled with sexy co-eds getting picked off by a psychotic killer running wild and seeking vengeance you're gonna love this throwback to the 80s summer camp movies where anything and everything happened well, as long as you had a bag full of childish camp pranks and a pair of obscenely short shorts. So get ready for my season four opener on Summer Camp Schlock. This is Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is normally not discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week, one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and the school's the other. We discuss everything from S&M Nazis to murderous children to big-ass insects. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hey, Slate. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Happy summer. Yep. Same it's to you. Summer. You know how I like love summer. Summer I is like I live for summer all yeah. year around. I just slog through the rest of my stupid life right. just to get to summer. So yeah, Slate has his calendar for summer pretty much complete by like March. January is usually the time where I book my summers. Right. Uh, yeah. Every weekend, all the time. I, I I just I love it. It's like my favorite thing. Oh yeah, definitely. So this one's going to be a little bit similar to kind of my underwater slaughter episode because okay. that was all about summer you know summertime and you know stuff like that so yeah, that's yeah. kind of why i wanted to do this episode called summer camp but to be honest completely unoriginal i got this suggestion from not one listener but two a listener named paul from my work actually gave me this topic but we also had it mentioned on itunes as well from andrew who suggested we do an episode on summer camp wow. and so it was kind of floating around for a while but since two people asked for it i thought well now it has to be a thing right yeah Speaking of topics that people have given us, we kind of did a thing last season where we asked people to get on iTunes and give us some suggestions since we're not running out of topics, but at some point we're going to. So we were kind of like, if we can get some ideas, that would certainly be helpful. We got a lot of really great suggestions. This this worked. And I think that we should use this opportunity now to tell people keep doing that please that was really helpful yes um yeah we're still looking for topics and people came up with some great ones yeah so. you're doing t- are you doing two this season so yes 
I'm doing at least, I mean, I'm doing this one, but yeah. yeah. Let's talk about some of the ones that people suggested. Andrew also suggested John Waters, as I'm sure you all know, I will be doing this at some point. I'm probably going to wait till season five because John Waters is my favorite person ever. And I just want to make sure that I've really built this one up. It's probably going to be a two-parter. Yeah, great. I'm looking forward to that. We also had some suggestions um, from BB and BC Podcast. That's some of our podcast friends. And they said midgets, uh, which is (laughs) hilarious. I I think that we would have to call that little people. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's the correct term. We also had suggestions for uh, movies with killer internet. The Lawnmower Man, for example. Oh, yeah. Which I think was really great. Uh, Hippies. Hippies. Are you going to do hippies? Maybe. I don't know. Still don't have all of mine figured out yet. Yeah, me neither. That was from Duck, Cow, Whale, Fighter, Rules All. I'm pretty sure that's my friend Anthony. Somebody let us know if that's you, Anthony. One of the topics was an episode on band films, which, you know, I'm super excited yeah, about. Yeah, that sounds uh, great. So that might happen. That's from Mar Little Pony. That might be Marlis. I'm not sure. I don't know why I'm guessing who all these people are. That's yeah. not a thing. Going forward, if you give us a review on iTunes, can you give us a name to shout yeah, you out? Yeah, if you want to, sh- if you want your name <laughs> shouted out, you got to tell us what it is. Yeah, or just give us a name you would like to be shouted out, and we'll be glad to do that. Yeah. Someone said sex on set. We've been talking about that for a while, of yeah. doing that. That was actually something, but that came from, I'm pretty sure that came from Devin. Insane Asylums. Yes, which is... You're doing that, that one? That one I'm okay, doing. You're doing that one. So that's going to be good. Yeah. Anyway, there's so many more of them, but uh, but that was just kind of a smattering of, of the topics that we got. So thanks, everyone. Please yeah, keep sending them. Go on iTunes, ratings and reviews, and uh, that's kind of the best place for it. So... Yep. Keep it up. All right. Well, thank you to Andrew and Paul for this topic. I hope that I do it justice. Are I'm excited for it. ready this for right up your summer camp? Yeah. Are you ready for summer So this episode is going to be a little bit different. Okay. Just because I originally thought it was going to be all about summer camp horror movies. Mm -hmm. There's just not enough. There's there's some, but there's not enough to make it really like a full episode. Right. So then I thought I'd widen my net and make it all about summer camp in general. But then in looking, there were too many. Right. And also, most of the best summer camp movies really came out of the 80s. Mm -hmm. This is not going to be titled summer camp movies in the 80s, but it probably should be. Okay. Fair enough. I focus most of my attention around that area and time, but of course, we need to start from the beginning. So. Sure. Real quick, did you ever go to summer camp? I went to Boy Scout camp. Okay. Boy yeah. Scout. That was yeah. for two weeks at Camp Chickahominy uh-huh. oh, it's, in Virginia. Yeah. It has to have a racist name. So Right. It's, it's some Native American name right. that was slaughtered. Yeah. So Virginia. you did that. I used to have to go to Bible You went to Jesus camp. camp. I mean, we talked about that satanic panic. Yeah, you were like in super Jesus camp. Worst Which is ever. the funniest that's funny as fuck. I was me. such a such a bad little Christian, as I'm sure you can imagine. <laughs> I cared about Jesus 0%, and I'm not really great at hiding my emotions. So. so were people like randomly throwing holy water on you, hoping it would like ungay you or what? I don't know. No, you, were, you were too young to, I don't know. Oh, no, I was a real gay kid. I mean, it wasn't that bad. It was, I mean, it, it was awful. Um, <laughs> it was just like one of those things where they uh, were just like, you know what's great? is like combining church and school at the same time so you can go to classes about Jesus. And to me, those were the two worst things. I hated school and I hate Jesus. So those two things together <laughs> okay. were just... You just described Catholic school. Too, uh-huh. So which... Yeah, it's a little different when you're... That. Yeah, we were Southern Baptists, which if anything could be worse than Catholics, it's probably the Southern Baptists. So it just really, it honestly was just not the right program for me. <laughs> Clearly so, not. No. Yeah. Other than that, I don't think I went to summer camp. Like, I mean, we grew up in the country, so it was like, we were always outside. And right, like, right. You, you didn't have to say... You send city kids to summer, summer. camp. 
camp, camp not right. country kids. We're right. like the whole summer is summer camp. So. Are you ready for The first summer camp movie I could find was The Underpup from 1939. I love these old titles because they just... What the fuck? Who talks like that? Okay. The Underpup. Revenge of the Underpup. No clue what that is. A few weeks ago, I on Sunday Slumday, I mentioned a movie that I thought was the first all-female summer camp movie. That was um, Little Darlings from 1980. Okay. I missed the mark by about 40 years. So The Underpup is about a summer camp for rich young girls. They're about 10 years old. And one in particular who is street smart but poor is made fun of because poor poor yeah um, but eventually everyone you know accepts her as part of the social circle so that's Aww. kind of like the, the plot arc this was at a time that everybody was looking for the next shirley temple shirley temple was like box office gold yeah. and so everybody was like who's the next shirley temple under pup <laughs> because people talk like that yeah and gloria jean the actress that plays the under pup i guess i don't know what an under pup is i don't know she was kind of like an attempt at doing that hmm. the movie was actually really well received and and jean went on to make a few more movies before the Shirley Temple thing got old. So that was really kind of like the first summer camp movie. Gotcha. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit just because there was a summer camp movie kind of like out of the 60s that everyone in the world has seen some iteration of. Mm -hmm. And that movie, you know it? Mm -mm. The Parent Trap from 1961. Oh, yeah. Haley Mills. Yeah. So the plot is so simple, yet it's kind of ingenious, but it basically made every little girl and probably little boy wish and hope that they had a twin brother somewhere, a long lost twin brother Mm -hmm. um, that they would meet at summer camp sometime in the future. So this is making me think, though, also, that I might need to do an episode on evil twins. That would be good. I think maybe I could pull that one there's off. A, there's a couple of good examples there. I think so. Anyway, the plot of The Parent Trap is two girls at summer camp realize that they look a lot like each other. They're both played by Haley Mills, as yep. you remembered. They try to outdo each other and they play tricks on each other until they're finally forced to cohabitate and then they become friends. So they make right. them live together because they can't get along. They realize that they're long lost sisters and that their parents divorced and each took a twin. This is horrible parenting. That is terrible. Horrible parenting. parenting. They switch places and, you know, they go back into the real world outside of summer camp and they begin a plot to put their parents back together again, which ultimately works. Right. So I want to talk about something specific in this movie, just because we're obviously, you know, building up towards the 80s. But this is the idea of summer camp pranks. Yeah. This was, I think, the first time we saw a movie that was really based around childish pranks that kind of were like a summer camp thing and then continued throughout the movie. So pranks like cutting one of Haley Mills's skirts at a dance so that her underpants, or probably at that time were called bloomers, 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 bloomers showed, pouring honey on someone's toes so that a bear would lick them while they slept. That's a very dangerous. Right. It's a very dangerous prank. It bit his foot off, huh? Right. <laughs> it's like summer camp. She's dead. Yeah. Rigging booby traps, tipping over boats. There's a lot of people falling into the water. This episode could be people falling into the water. That could be the title of it, just because that's a very big thing in summer camp movies. Yeah, of course. Pranks play really well in Disney movies, and this movie was a huge hit. It actually spawned three sequels, and the remake, which was Lindsay Lohan, that kind of brought her to, like, Disney fame. Yeah. But anyway, the idea of pranks at camp is, like, a very big theme moving forward, and this was kind of the first movie to really do that and and to base a movie around dumb pranks kids love right kids love dumb shit but if the camp prank thing worked for kids what would that look like for a more adult audience so you know these were adults that kind of grew up with the childish mischief of the parent trap right but now their adult humor was more kind of monty python animal house at the time yeah so the first big movie summer camp movie for adults you know what it is i want to say meatballs it was meatballs Yeah. yeah are you ready for summer are you ready for summer 
So the big movie that kicked off the, you know, the 80s run of summer camp cinema, you know, the schlock movies that I'm going to talk about was 1979's Meatballs. This is one of the movies that I never saw all the way through, like as a kid. I only caught snippets of it on TV. So I actually finally watched it a couple of weeks ago. Have you seen it? It's been so long. Yeah, yeah. And Bill Murray's in it, I know that. But. It's funny just because you watch it now, and you're just like, oh my god, I've seen all those jokes so many times. And it was like, oh, actually, this invented all of those right. jokes. You know, So you kind of have to watch it from a different mindset. It's, it's yeah, enjoyable, certainly. though. Rough plot. There's a kind of low-rent camp where a bunch of kids and counselors dick around for the summer. That's pretty much it. I mean, that's the plot. Yeah. You know? It's not much to look at now, but it really invented a lot of these tropes. So not just comedy and prank tropes you know, that we've kind of already talked about, but horror and drama as well came out of that movie too yeah. but the real excitement of course is going to come at the end of the summer uh, during sexual awareness week we import 200 hookers from around the world and each camper armed with only a thermos of coffee and two thousand dollars cash tries to visit as many countries as he can and the winner of course is named king of sexual awareness week and is allowed to rape and pillage the neighboring towns until camp ends that's incredible what do you expect for a thousand dollars a week? Hey, you have a good summer too, huh? It's certainly not a, a classic, but it has a lot of classic moments which were used as templates for every other camp movie after that. So it's super important for this episode. Mm-hmm. So here's a little bit of history. It was Ivan Reitman of Ghostbusters and Stripes fame who conceived the movie while he was helping produce Animal House in 1978. Right. He decided he wanted to direct, and so he scrounged up some money and found some friends that had all been to camp with each other, and they kind of threw together a script in a location. It was you know kind of a simple idea right right he convinced the camp to let him use it but they had to do it Hmm. while the camp was in session so a lot of those scenes are actual camp kids and counselors like they were like oh you're filming a movie we're just at camp yeah we're just we're making wallets or whatever right he wanted bill murray for one of the roles but he couldn't pin him down to do it bill murray was actually a cast member at snl at the time but he hadn't really been featured much Mm -mm. reitman just kind of knew him and had worked with him and he thought he'd be great for this but you know bill murray's kind of like a Lake a little bit. So, can be, yeah. yeah. So they started shooting and Bill Murray ended up showing up on the second day. And so they kind of put together the story as they went. Bill Murray kind of helped rewrite the the script a little bit. It ended sure. up being Bill Murray was like the, the main actor, you yeah. know, but they did that as they were going. It was made for less than a million and it ended up being a huge hit. It actually made $43 million, Damn. which for, you know, for less than a million is a, a very successful film. And $1979. Yeah, too. right. Obviously, this is you know Bill Murray's first film, Ivan yeah. Reitman's first film. That's that's pretty good. You've you get right. a hit if you do that. And you have a, a working relationship that started there because Bill Murray shows up in other Reitman films. That's so. right. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly, camp movies were hot. Yeah. Um, Ivan Reitman doesn't take credit for this, but from my research, Meatballs was the first big camp comedy to come out in theaters. And while a few were in the process of being made, his was the first to be released. Right. But before we move on, I have to say something about Meatballs that I dug up. Okay. Early on, while I was watching, there's a scene where a 14-ish year old girl stands up on a table and announces a bunch of gossip. She's like the camp gossip girl. Okay. She mentions a girl's name and they cut to her. She's a counselor. And I was like, she looks really familiar. So I had to dig around. She was kind of like a cameo in it. And she was actually the actress that played Alice in the 1976 porn version of Alice in Wonderland. Wow. You know, we talked about this in the golden age of porn. And as you remember from that episode, that was the movie that my sister accidentally rented when she was 10. And, you know, she thought it was the kids version. And then my parents sent her to bed and watched it the themselves. So she's the porn actress that my sister, my mom, my dad, you and me have all seen get plowed by the Mad Hatter. 
<laughs> now that's a that is a fun fact. Yeah, right. Of all the fun facts we do, that I is, have a lot of lame fun that, facts. That's I feel like that one. one. That one's pretty that's good. one for yeah. the ages. Well done. <laughs> Are you ready for summer? Uh, yeah, uh, could you please stop doing that? Sorry. I had no idea about the movie Little Darlings from 1980, but I'm actually going to do something that we don't often do. I'm going to shout out another podcast. Okay. So there's this podcast I've been listening to. It's called 80s All Over, and it's a podcast that these guys, Drew McWeeny and Scott Weinberg, and it's really interesting. They actually review every movie from the 80s in order that came out by month. So the first episode was January 1980, and they go through the list, and they talk about all the movies that came out in 1980, and, and And that's the podcast. So it's really interesting. They had seen most of them when they came out, but they kind of go through them. And obviously there's a lot of stinkers and there's a lot of really great ones. Mm -hmm. But it's a really interesting format. So they were talking about Little Darlings and I was like, oh, maybe I should like check this movie out. Little Darlings was kind of like the first clue that I thought I might actually have an episode here. Yeah, yeah. So Little Darlings stars Tatum O'Neill. You remember Tatum O'Neill was actually the actress that beat out our favorite actress for Best Supporting uh, Actress role at the Oscars, who was... Linda Blair. Linda Blair, our favorite. Right, so that's Tatum, Oscar winner Tatum O'Neill. Yep. And then Christy McNichol, you know her? I remember her from TV. She was in a TV show. That's right. Empty Nest. She was from Empty Nest. So they're both sent to camp and they immediately hate each other, which is kind of like the parent trap a little bit, you know, but partially because they come from two different social classes, which is definitely the underpop, as you remember. They hated her because poor. Poor, yep. Totally legit. Yeah, that's fair. So Tatum is rich and Christy is kind of like trashy. She's kind of like the trashy you know doesn't she have like the jean jacket yeah and she smokes yeah of course yeah yeah. they become rivals especially since they're both virgins a bet within their bunk is made and without any adults knowing all the girls get behind one or the other and bet money on which one's going to lose their virginity first i'll bet my residual check that paris will become a woman by the end of the summer how much one hundred dollars compliments of tidy curl you know that that's an awful lot of money what do i have to do Just let nature take its course. It's a contest. Ferris against. No, you wouldn't have the guts. You just lost a hundred bucks, sucker. Angel versus Ferris. Whoever loses her virginity first. Do you think this movie could ever be made in like 2017? No. You know what? I like movies like that. Number one, where the goal is to get laid. A very simple goal. Oh, sure. Yeah. And as a male, I can appreciate that. Two, the fact that it's a women's goal in this movie, you know, which you don't see. Sure. You're used to seeing movies like Porky's and, you know, stuff like that where it's like, but it's like the girl's going to get laid. But also in real life, I feel like that could be solved in like 15 minutes. Uh Right. It's really, it's not hard for a lady to get to. I mean, yeah. Matt Dillon's in this movie, so that's part of it. So doofy. Matt Matt Dillon as an actor in the 80s was just like the the pinnacle of hot and doofy yeah. but like mostly doofy mostly i'm just doofy, like yeah. matt please just deliver your lines correctly like just st- heartthrob matt such matt a doof yeah so pretty straight up plot and but honestly like i watched the movie it's kind of a good movie yeah it's not bad you, you so you've seen it so here's the thing and i've mentioned this before when we, i was a kid we got the movie channel mm-hmm. back when cable was in its infancy in the early 80s where you you know cable meant eight channels which right. was the shit oh that was crazy that was a, the most amount of channels you could amazing. fathom in your life so then they had the movie channel or hbo we had the movie channel 
but they played Stripes all the time. They played, you know, a lot of R-rated movies I was too young to see. And one of them was Little Darlings played all the time at the yeah. time, too. So, I, of course, I saw it. Well, the interesting thing I did hear it from 80s all over is mm-hmm. they actually made the movie two different ways. Mm-hmm. One of the big things was, okay, well, how are we going to cut this for TV? Right. You know, in the TV version, not the cable version, which you probably saw. We didn't have cable TV because we weren't allowed to. Right. But in the cut version, it was who's going to fall in love first. So, they made a different film. For TV. Right. That was who's going to fall in love. So, I mean, I guess they shot these scenes and then and then they were like, shoot it again, but be like, in love. Right. And kind of made a separate TV cut for it. Isn't that crazy? So, did they cut the scene for the TV version where they kicked the condom machine off the wall? Because didn't they do that? I was just about to talk <laughs> so, about sorry, that. Sorry, I stole yeah. your thunder. Sorry. Good. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was just about to talk about some of the, the elements of the thing. You know, it's a lot of pranks. There's a lot of gags. There's food fights. There's food fights in every single camp movie. Like, yeah. I've never seen a camp movie that didn't have a food fight in it. Yeah. But the movie actually doesn't really go in the direction that you think it's going to go because it really is kind of a, a coming-of-age comedy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of breast jokes and then they're trying to get condoms which, as I'm sure you remember as being a kid, was very complicated. Getting condoms... It was a very complex thing. I could make a movie about me trying to obtain a condom, of which I didn't use for years after I actually obtained one. Right. But yeah, that was actually a really funny part. They're trying to get the condoms. She can't get them out of the machine. She, she just ri- She's a kid. She rips the machine off of the wall, and mm-hmm. they just take the whole machine. It's yeah. comedy gold. It like is. I laughed out loud at that, you know? Yeah, that was funny. I can't believe I remember that scene. I haven't seen that movie for, since the early 80s, and I just I remember that scene. It's a fun watch. Yeah. yeah. There's seduction plans in the end basically both girls learn a lesson and then in kind of mean girl style there's like this one really pretty bitchy girl you know who you're kind of like what a bitch the whole mm-hmm. movie and she gets punched which is great you know i mean, oh, yeah, love yeah. a bitchy girl smackdown kind <laughs> of sounds bonkers I, I don't think we've seen a kind of sex comedy in a while the last kind of thing i can think about is like uh, american pie was kind of the last of the of the really well-known comedies ones. yeah right? everything else is probably it seems like things since then, we're either direct video or just didn't do anything. Yeah. You know? Raunchy comedies, like, that's a thing. There's movies like Sa- Sausage Party. Was it Sausage yeah, Party? Yeah, yeah. Sausage animated. Party and stuff like that. There's definitely raunchy comedies, but they're not, they're like adult comedies. They're not teenagers having sex. Well, all the raunchy comedies that are, com- are out now are adult oriented. Right. Know? Yeah. Everything from Hangover, you know, Bridesmaids was kind of a raunchy yeah. comedy in its own but they're, thing. They're, it's adults. But they're, they're all adults. adults. No it's teen, not like raunchy teen comedies. sexy, like, guys trying to get his dick wet. You know, I mean, there's like, one that I know you're going to bring up. Mm-hmm. But it's a parody. So we'll talk about it in a minute. So we've talked about girls and boys now. So let's talk about Jews. <laughs> yes, there is a sex and shenanigans Jews at summer camp movie called Gorp. Gorp? Um, yeah, Gorp. G-O-R-P. Okay. So have you heard this? I did not know this. I didn't know about okay. Gorp. So I, so I googled what does Gorp stand for. Gorp stands for either of two things. One, good old raisins and peanuts or granola, oats, raisins, and peanuts. So it's kind of like, a, I guess it must be like a like if you're a hiker, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm going to hype the Appalachian Trail. And like you said, I just imagine oh, the way just, things. Yeah, it's like and you're like, mix. oh, do you have any gorp? It's right. trail mix, basically. Yeah, okay. So so that's stupid. And the reason why this is the title of it is because the tagline for it is gorp, a bunch of fruits, nuts, and flakes. It's a long way for a ham sandwich, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah See, yeah, that I needed a few more rounds in marketing is what right. they needed. Anyway, go ahead. Gorp is a film made without any prejudice to sex. I'm just here to have fun. Sex and fun. No commitments. Just like the guys, right? Religion. Age. All right, you little grunts, you want seconds, huh? 
animals. Weight. Or complexion. On the plus side, Gorp is contemporary in its treatment of sexual morality. So the summer camp here is a Jewish camp on Long Island, and it has a reoccurring male wait staff that come every summer and create camp shenanigans. So basically, it's kind of like, you know, there's the kids, the kids mm-hmm. that are at camp, and then there's the wait staff, which is so dumb because you do not need a wait staff at camp. Like, no. you just do it like buffet style, but yeah. whatever. This is a thing. I guess a Jewish camp, you it's a little fancier than, Clearly, than the Southern Baptist camp that I went to. Right. Slop they served us. It was horrible. Right. So the Jewish part is kind of weird because it's not particularly like a a Jewish movie. Like there's a rabbi, but that's pretty much the end of the Jewish part of the movie. Hmm. This movie actually has a lot of uh, first performances. So Fran Drescher, who plays the camp slut, it's her first film. Oh, nice. Dennis Quaid's first film, who plays a military obsessed waiter. So he's just like one of his character arc is he he loves the the military. Mm -hmm. And Rosanna Arquette's first film, she plays a Long Island Jap. A Jewish-American princess. Princess. Mm -hmm. It's really slapsticky. The main bits are waiters dropping food. That happens 100 times in the movie. A character who is mostly seen throughout the movie sitting on a toilet, I actually think he's never not on the toilet. Like, I think every time they open the... It's a reoccurring bit. It's like, he's on the toilet doing something different. Toilet. It's funny, right? Toilet. (laughs) And and a fat waiter who, of course, is always stuffing his mouth with food and has food all over him at all times and is always eating food. Food, 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 right. He's fat, so he loves food. That's his character. That's that's Mm -hmm. the joke. Right. So did you watch this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where did you find it? So a lot of these movies were really hard to find. Uh, I was actually going to bring this up. I found it on Amazon. The rental price of Gorp is $5.99. That's an outrage. That's, F- why the six, fuck is that six bucks? Ninety nine. I don't. I, you know me. I don't care about the prices of things. So I'm. I'm never like, oh, that's too expensive. No, like the Godfather's two ninety nine. This is an outrage. Five dollars <laughs> and ninety nine cents to watch that? Gorp. It's the only place you can find that's it. Terrible. You can't get it on Netflix DVDs. The only fuck option you, you have Amazon. if you want to watch Gorp is paying five dollars and ninety nine cents. That's, that's fucking it's a, outraged. It, I was outraged by yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, actually, I actually enjoyed the movie. Um, um, it really? was, I mean, it's dreadful, but it's a, it's a comedy and it's stupid and it's 80s. Right. So it's kind of like, all right. So it was more pranky than it was. There was this isn't a Jewish sex comedy, right? This, oh, no, no. No, it's just like um, kids doing I mean, there was sex. Like Fran Drescher is like a, is the slut and she ends up having sex with the rabbi is too. Is there any nudity or is she like? No, no, there's no real she nudity. She has sex with the rabbi? She has sex with the rabbi. Is he like a middle-aged man? Kind of a little young, on the younger side of middle-aged. Because that, that's a theme that comes up. Yeah, I mean, they don't show it. They're <laughs> no, just no, no, like. No, but yeah. I mean, the, the camp people screwing old men is a thing that kind of will resonate I imagine you're, I see where you're going with this but anyway that's, uh-huh. why, that's why I asked that question yeah uh, he's a little older I mean it, it's a bet it's kind of a, a little darling's bet they're kind of like can you have sex with the rabbi and she ends up having sex with the rabbi wow. so she wins she the bet them. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. alright and now we get to our first summer camp slasher oh you know what this is you know what no 
It's Friday the 13th. Is that really the yeah. first, very first one? That's the first camp slasher. Okay, I didn't realize it was the very first one. It is. Uh, have we talked about Friday the 13th in any of our episodes? I feel like we've I, we've never talked about it as a film for a long period of time. No, 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 yeah. no, no. no. We, okay. if it, we mentioned it in passing at best. Yeah. So I actually, as a horror movie lover, I didn't really know that much about Friday the 13th. Okay. The backstory and stuff like that. There's yeah. definitely one of my co-workers is a fanatic, loves Friday the 13th. Oh, really? So I talked to him a little bit about it. My co-worker, Jason. He pointed me to a documentary about Friday the 13th, which is three hours long, but I watched it. Right. And so I kind of found out some stuff. So okay. after the success of Halloween, which of course was the first big low budget slasher success story, Sean S. Cunningham, the director, decided he wanted a piece of that kind of like slasher action. Yeah. Like that's hot, hot slasher, slasher action. Yeah. yeah. He had worked with Wes Craven on Last House on the Left, but he wanted to do something a little bit different. So he came up with the name Friday the 13th, but no idea what to do with it. Right. He took out a full page in Variety with just the title of it kind of like breaking through glass and then called it the scariest movie ever made. And he got funding for it, even though he had no idea what he wanted to do. Excellent. He knew he needed to have an adult free zone because obviously, of course, that's what you know made Halloween so great. It was like, oh, the parents are out and there's babysitting and kid sex and stuff like right, that. Right, but right. when there's no adults, like that's a pretty good way to exploit teenagers. So he came up with summer camp, no adults. You know, that's mm-hmm. camp counselors, you know, are older teenagers. Teenagers. So there were no adults to swoop in and fix everything, so a murderer could run wild. Mm-hmm. And of course, everyone knows that the only real adult in the movie is actually Jason Voorhees' mother, who ends up being the murderer in the movie. Right. Okay. What do you think about Friday the 13th? It's schlock. Mm-hmm. It's crap. It really didn't get, gain its legacy until a few sequels and you're Correct, probably yeah. going to talk about why but no. sure but you're not well, I hear, what I hear you saying is you're not a huge fan I'm not you're a huge not like fan. it's my favorite movie ever no no, no. Okay. I do like some of the some of them though yeah like, I, I agree like, I like some of them but it was never really like on my horror radar either I mean it was funny like watching the documentary I mean everyone in the movie is very much like yeah we just knocked off a whole bunch of stuff and we ended up making something kind of new but it wasn't because we were trying to we knocked off everything we could think of to knock off right and it ended up being a thing so speaking Speaking of knockoffs, and I'm only going to talk about mommy issues for a second because this episode is all about summer camp. But yeah. So Pamela Voorhees, right? Mm-hmm. She wanted Camp Crystal Lake closed forever since her. They said this in the documentary, so I'm going to say it's super offensive, but they called him a mongoloid son. So he was, you know, he was kind of like messed up a little bit. Deformed you know? or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He drowned while the other camp counselors like weren't really paying, paying attention, attention to him because they were like having sex or whatever. Right. So that was why she did what she did, right? She yeah. came back to basically be like every time teenagers had sex and weren't doing what they were supposed to do she killed him because because her son was dead yeah so everyone knows that friday the 13th kind of ripped off texas chainsaw massacre Mm -hmm. it was halloween's formula so it kind of ripped that off and then of course the ending of carrie where the hand comes out or whatever and so that was kind of like a rip off of carrie or, or even deliverance but there's actually some psycho themes in there as well. Huh. Norman Bates was obsessed with his mother, the one person who protected him, knowing that he was different. You know, Norman Bates sure, was different sure. his mother. And Pamela Voorhees did that for her mongoloid son. I'm not saying mongoloid. You can't. No one can quote me on mongoloid. This came from the documentary. Right. Pamela Voorhees is basically the reverse of Norman Bates's mother because she's alive and Jason is presumably dead. It's basically like the reverse of psycho, psycho is yeah. like what that whole issue is. I thought that was kind of interesting. That is interesting. Oh, my sweet, innocent Jason. My only child. Jason. You let him drown. You never paid any attention. Look. 
Look what you did to him! Another interesting fact, did you know that Estelle Parsons, who was Roseanne's crazy mother on the show Roseanne, mm-hmm. remember her? So she was supposed to play the role of Pamela Voorhees originally. Oh, wow. Yeah, which I thought was really cool. She was unavailable, so she was replaced with stage and TV actress Betsy Palmer, who it ended up being Betsy Palmer's like most remembered movie of all time. And right. she kind of felt bad about it. She was like, I'm in this shitty horror movie. It's kind of <laughs> offensive or whatever, but right. it doesn't matter. No one's ever going to see this. I'm just going to take the paycheck. Now she's most remembered for this shitty horror movie that she right. so back to the movie it was distributed in wide release it was an immediate success at the box office even though critics massacred it they said it was anti-feminist they said that it was dangerous since they believed people would root for the killer and um, critics even published the home address of, of the producer and Betsy Palmer as well the home address to be like write them letters right. about how much you hate <laughs> this movie which is totally irresponsible yeah it was even nominated for Worst Film and Worst Supporting Actress uh, at the first ever Razzie Awards. It wasn't until years later that it actually started gaining some critical praise, much like Psycho back in 1960, which, you know, critics yeah. kind of didn't really like it. But it is said that Friday the 13th in total, over the almost 40 years in TV, video, box office, and merchandising, has grossed just under a billion dollars. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. That's, cr- that's crazy, but you're right. It's not surprising. Right. Like, I mean, that's, that's part of our pop culture right you know it's instantly recognizable yeah so of course the sequels came pouring out in the years to follow yeah Friday the 13th part 2 came out the following year so that was 1981 mm-hmm. it was set five years later and it focused around the question of whether or not Jason had actually died in the drowning since Pamela was decapitated in the first one so they couldn't really bring her back yeah, but you know they were like well Jason kind of might be alive right So the premise was that Jason had been living in a shack near Crystal Lake for like 30 years, and he was now avenging his mother's death. Mm -hmm. Friday the 13th 3 in 3D came out the following year in 82, which was the first time that we saw Jason in a hockey mask, which you mentioned. And Friday the 13th, the final chapter in 1984. All of these were at Crystal Lake, but not really as a a campsite. So I kind of skipped over them. Most of the 15 billion other sequels aren't summer camp themed. They're in New York City space with Freddy Krueger, etc. Right, so, right, yeah. yeah One thing I want to add to that with part three, Slate mentioned in 3D, that came out the year where 3D had a big comeback in cinema in the early 80s. Yep. Before it got to where it is now, which every blockbuster has a 3D version. But back then, that was a new concept they were bringing back. And so you had Friday the 13th, 3 in mm-hmm. 3D, which it was filmed that way where everything was coming to the camera, you know, yep. the stabbing and everything. Friday the 13th, part three. In 3D, Jason, you can't fight him. You can't stop him. And now, you can't even keep him on the screen. Friday, the 13th, part three in 3D. You had Jaws 3, which was dreadful, but the same thing and the same effect with the shitty first shark coming towards you. Um, You had like Space Hunter and the Forbidden Zone 3D. So there was a few movies that were coming out that were trying to take advantage of that. It was terrible. Garbage, yeah. Complete garbage. 
But I just want to point that out that that sure. was a, a, a weird phenomenon right there. They're really trying it to push for 3D like a hot again. minute and then yeah. it was over. Yeah. Yeah. Then of course there was a million knockoffs of Friday oh, the Thirteenth. Yeah. The Burning from 1981 oh, yeah. actually conceived before Friday the Thirteenth. It was actually Miramax's first film. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that at all. It stalled a little too long, and so it really only appears to be a ripoff. Like it was kind of in the works before you sure. know before Friday the Thirteenth. But it was based on a New York urban camp legend that I've been fascinated with for a while. So I want to chat about it for a okay, minute, sure, probably sure. longer than it deserves. But have you ever heard of Cropsy? Yes. Okay. I know that there was a documentary that came out not Correct. so long ago that addressed that. Mm-hmm. Cropsy is an urban legend that got its start in either Long Island or Staten Island, depending who you ask. Okay. But it was a thing that parents told their kids about to get them to obey the rules, basically. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different stories, but the main points are that Cropsy was a man that worked in some form of either a mental institution, a summer camp, or a kid's hospital, but he abused kids. That's what he, that's what Cropsy did. Yeah. In some stories, he had a hook for a hand, was burned severely or gross in other ways, you know, deformed some point you know it's an herbal engine so it's not real right, right, right and at night he would come out and take bad little kids so parents use this as a way to scare their kids into being home by curfew eat their vegetable you know whatever right um, and kids used it to scare each other at campfires you know so the burning was actually based on the legend of cropsy in this case he was a camp caretaker and a bunch of kids play a trick on him that ultimately gives him really bad burns so like the house catches on fire and right. stuff so he goes to get treatment he comes back he's horribly disfigured and he comes back to the camp basically to like avenge his his burning payback um, yeah and, you know ki- kill everyone so in the movie of course all the guys are trying to have sex with all the girls very aggressive extremely aggressively oh, really? like it's pretty rapey huh. and then he leaps yeah. out and kills them with pruning shears that's his Remember thing that. pruning shears mm-hmm. yeah. just like most of the summer camp movies before this this had some early first performances uh, Holly Hunter was oh. uh, was in the movie Seinfeld's Jason Alexander I remember uh-huh. he had hair in this one too yeah and fisher stevens so he was from short circuit <laughs> yeah uh, he was a topic of aziz ansari's show master of none one of I them bet. you know he kind of i think he played like an indian character he's white yeah. right so i won't spoiler the ending of uh, the burning but this movie wasn't the only one that was about cropsy um you talked about the documentary i can't tell you how much i loved this movie in 2009 the documentary is super super scary in the documentary you know they arrested someone for murders that they are saying is cropsy so I'm, i remember that being the thing i haven't seen the documentary i just yeah. knew that that part was in it uh, i do want to see it though streaming on hulu for free so right, really really great movie you want to see him Put on my list at that same time the burning script was making it around town so it was another story based on cropsy called madman once it became clear that the burning was going to make it out first the madman script is rewritten to be about a different made-up character that they called madman mars uh who also stalked teenagers at a summer camp in long island hmm. um so you know two kind of cropsy-esque summer camp movies wow. i know and then of course there's sleep away camp uh from 1983 <laughs> oh goodness god yeah. knows how much we've talked about this oh movie. god i know i didn't write anything about it because i just we've talked about it so much yeah. and, you know but anyway what i will say about sleep away camp if you haven't heard us talk about 
about it. It's an, a movie about an angry Long Island camp where everyone's angry all They're the time. They're all angry. They're furious, so angry. Furious people where there's murders and it ends up, as opposed to being like a slasher movie about some disfigured person, the murderer actually ends up being one of the kids from the camp. And I Who won't has tell a surprise you, of their own. Yeah. I won't tell you the ending because everybody knows it. But and if, if you, you listen haven't to this podcast, seen it, you know what the ending right, is. But if, if you, you haven't seen it, you really yeah. should see it. It's free on YouTube. Wonderful movie. Uh, yeah, it is wonderful. This was the reference I was talking about earlier in the episode when I was saying one of the tropes of kids who are at the camp fucking the middle-aged people that run right. the camp because that's a running plot in this Correct. movie where I guess she's 15. She's a bitch, too. She's like the Everyone one... in the movie's a bitch. Okay, that's fair. She's like having rendezvous with the, the old, owner oldest of the man, camp. the guy who's right. got to be 50. Right. At, at and he's best. disgusting. And he's disgusting, yeah. too. And it's just like they're treating that like that's a legit. Like it's totally normal. That's normal. Like everything is fine. It's, with this. it's yeah. crazy. And spoiler, they're, they're mad. They're angry as fuck. This is the worst camp ever. Yeah, yeah it really is. Friday the 13th wasn't the only summer camp movie to get knocked off. Uh, Meatball saw a slew of summer camp sex romps. Yes. Um, the first of which I'm going to talk about was from Troma. Troma had already made three other low-budget, low-taste, sexy romps. The last one was called The First Turn On from 1983, which was a summer camp movie. Hmm. Remember when I told you that I was hungover all day and I watched like 10 trauma movies? Yeah, you were sick or, or whatever. Well, okay, hungover. hungover. Is, I'm just trying to make yes, it sound uh-huh. better. So this was one of the movies that I watched, The huh. First Turn On. So it's a rough plot. A bunch of teenagers at camp go to get stoned. So they're like, oh, we have to go into like a cave to go get stoned. And then the fat one, of course, farts. And that causes like falling, rolling rocks yeah. to like, because He's fat, so he farts. And it's a um, movie. All the time, yeah. And they get stuck in this cave. And so to pass the time before they're rescued, they tell fantastical stories about how they lost their virginity. Yes, what happens when four innocent kids at summer camp and their older, more mature nature counselor... Oh, since Mia! ...get trapped in a cave-in and must wait to get rescued. They'll have their first turn on. Towards the end of the movie, they all kind of like realize and admit that all of these stories are fake, that they're all actual virgins, that they made up the stories. Oh, nice. And they realize that they're going to die of asphyxiation because they're in this cave. They have no air. So they decide to have an orgy so that they all lose their virginity, you know, before they die. But their moans are so loud that it causes another like rock falling. And so they're able to get out. So, wow. It's something. It sounds like Um, something. I actually kind of enjoyed the movie. You know, I mean, wow. sex romps are from the 80s are fun, they are you fun. know? And so this one was, I mean, it's terrible. And it's like, fat people fart, you That's know? Trauma. And it's like, okay, yeah. thanks. But they're very self-aware. So, you know, it's it makes it kind of okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You may remember this movie from your local video store called Oddballs. Remember Oddballs? Mm-mm. It was one of those covers of movies that I just saw all the time but never actually saw. Yeah. Uh, it's a Canadian low-budget comedy. And that was kind of a thing for a while in the 80s. You know, yeah. low-budget Canadian movies obviously kind of coming off of Meatballs. Sure. Um, but So this was one of them. Standard summer camp fair, but this time there is the plot. They're going to sell the camp and turn it into a mall if something isn't done. You know, so that oh, kind of like... the camp. That trope starts to come in there save the camp there's gimme an f from 1984 uh, which is a cheerleading camp movie about rival squads one rich one poor you talked about this last episode so i'll kind of skip past it but gimme an f and meatballs 2 from 1984 it was kind of the unofficial sequel starring richard mulligan also from empty nest which we uh, empty i tried to really pull together an empty nest connection (laughs) between christy mcnichol richard mulligan and i was going to prove that everyone in empty nest had been in a summer camp movie 
And it it's hasn't. just the two of them. Sorry. No, yep, too didn't, bad. Didn't yep. happen. But it does have John Larroquette from Night Court. So there's a lot of, you know, 80s kind of TV and summer camp movie crossovers. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, it was about two rival camps that set up a boxing match to see which one will acquire the other. There's also a girl needs to see her first penis subplot along with an alien, that an actual <laughs> alien that they try to keep in the counselors. Hey, sure. Yeah. One critic said it was part Rocky, Screwballs, E.T., Meatballs 1, and Porky's all rolled up together. It was a kind of a dud at the box office. Um, sounds like it. So usually by this time in film history, the genre has been ripped off so many times that the movies stop making money and it's abandoned for 10 or 20 years until somebody can figure out something new to do with summer camp movies. Right. In a weird turn, a different type of film style would take over, and that style is known as the dreaded family movies. Mm. I know, the worst. Mm. So Terrible. I'm sure there were a million, but the first one I want to talk about was the TV movie Summer Switch from 1984. All right. This one sounds like a real turd. Uh, I couldn't find it online, but probably for good reason. A father who wants to be a kid again and a son who wants to be grown up and not go to summer camp switch places oh, and hilarity ensues, even mm-hmm. though no one notices anything weird is happening. So it's kind of like one of those movies where it's like, I don't know, there's a curse, a witch puts a curse on sure. who, who the kid yeah. knows. So it's not just a knockoff of the parent trap but also of all those switch place movies like freaky friday and heaven can wait of course everyone learns a family friendly lesson at the end i'm I'm sure i i don't know if they do or not i know nothing about this movie but they fart in a cave and have an orgy and then they were like the fat person won't (laughs) stop eating food and that is a great family message there was also Poison Ivy from 1985. That was Michael J. Fox and the Facts of Life's Nancy McKeon. Oh, I remember which, that. Yeah. It was a TV movie, right? That's correct. Coming of age dramedy where both played camp counselors that got together in the end. Are you ready for summer camp? Welcome to Pinewood. Your days will be filled with water sports, nature appreciation, the great outdoors. My parents dream. And it's your chance to discover... Who is that? The camp that separates the men from the boys. This will be the most memorable, rewarding summer of our lives! Robert Klein's in charge. So Michael J. Fox and Nancy McKeon are in Poison Ivy, next on Channel 7. The New York Times called it two hours of tedium. Which I thought was kind of funny. That is, yeah. There was Space Camp from 1986, which was a pretty (laughs) big budget family dramedy about kids going to camp in space. Do you remember this? Yeah. I don't remember this movie, yeah. I remember it, but Mm -hmm. I didn't see it. So it was released only a few months after the Challenger accident, so it was kind of doomed from the start. timing. It was over budget, over schedule, and when it came out, it flopped at the box office. Although it did star a very young Joaquin Phoenix when his name was still Leaf Phoenix. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that he, you know, in Parenthood and stuff? Yeah, I remember that. And to round out the 80s family summer camp movies was Ernest Goes to Camp from 1987. Jesus Christ, an Ernest movie. Ernest Does Things movies. Um, There are are nine of these. Started in the mid-80s. I've never seen one, but my guess is that Ernest Goes to Camp and hilarity ensues. Yeah. He he saves Christmas. Someone farts. Right. Of course, summer camp slashers continued throughout the 80s with titles like Summer Camp Nightmare, Mm. Twisted Nightmare, Nice Cheerleader Camp, which we talked about. World's Mm -hmm. worst rap scene. Allison, she's so fine, but look at her long, or you'll go blind. Next is Ham 
She comes out with a fam and will tell you this. She ain't no sham. And the sequel to Sleepaway Camp, Sleepaway Camp 2, where the murderer comes back from the mental institution to be a camp counselor. Nice. And so the 80s kind of started with a bang of summer camp movies like Meatballs, Friday the 13th, Gorp, and, and Sleepaway Camp. Sleep, Sleepaway Camp was actually a big success. It was number one at the box office. So it was, it wasn't just like it was a shitty knockoff. Like, you Can know, you imagine seeing that in the theater? I can't. It's baffles me that this movie even exists. Right. But that doesn't mean that summer camp movies died in the 80s. There have been some pretty great, like, newer camp movies since then, and also a few shitty ones that I'd like to talk about. Indian Summer from 1993. You remember this? Uh, The title sounds familiar, but no. It was, I think, the first summer camp reunion movie. So it was kind of like the big chill goes to summer camp, kind of. So it was like adults go back, you know, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years later, you know, to have a reunion. It actually had a pretty decent cast. It had Alan Arkin, Diane Lane, and Bill Paxton. Wow. Solid kind of you know early 90s cast hmm. i saw it back in the day and i remember thinking like this mo- I, mean, I saw it when i was a kid so it was sure. like, it's an adult's movie it's melodrama anyway but mm-hmm. uh, first adult summer camp movie so worth noting yeah we talked about it a little bit but i love the movie but i'm a cheerleader from 1999 I mean, 1999 was a great year for movies i just remember it so well but yeah, you yeah. Know, love the movie it was maybe one of the first movies to address gay characters in a way that wasn't completely stereotypical as i'm sure you remember from the 80s you know they treated gay characters just like the scum of the earth not just you know what we talked about an lgbt psychopath but they were just these flamboyant prissy whatever last generators they were i mean revenge of the nerds is really like a a case in point on that yeah revenge of the nerds police academy porkies you know i mean they're just all of these characters and there is one there's a terrible one in gorp too that's just like he's black too which is like guys stop revenge of the nerds um in the movie a high school cheerleader played by Orange is the New Black's Natasha Lyonne, who plays yeah, yeah, a lesbian, yeah. too. I guess mm-hmm. maybe she maybe is just a lesbian. Maybe she's not playing a lesbian. Maybe right, she just she, is she one, I guess. So she, anyway, she plays a lesbian on both of those things. She's sent to a gay conversion camp where they try to turn gay teenagers straight, which, spoiler, in real life, that does not work. That gay conversion camp, not right. a not a thing. You no. tried, it didn't work. Yeah, It's a fairly light comedy, although it spends a good amount of time, most of the movie, in fact, like trying to undo a lot of the stereotypical 80s summer camp tropes, like the camp slut, Fram Drescher, you know, right. as, you, as you remember, the effeminate black male that I talked about in Gorp, mm-hmm. uh, and the masculinity amongst male campers in the movies, like, you know, Meatballs and the Burning. So it really, I think, is probably one of the first ones to kind of flip the genre on its head a little bit and really try try to, you know, do something a little bit different with it. So do you remember all the cameos from Bottom of Cheerleader? RuPaul plays one of the counselors, but mm, of course. A, as a man, yeah, you know, oh, kind okay. of being like, you have to get rid of the gay, you know, whatever, which is hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. You know? And whose partner is Kathy Moriarty. You know Kathy Moriarty? Yes. I'm just trying to remember which. Yeah, I do know the actress. So she plays in the movie Soap Dish in 1991. You oh, this yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah, and okay. she actually plays a transgender person. That's kind of like the hilarious ending is that Kathy Moriarty is a man like in this movie. So obviously okay. there's some gender issues there. Mick Stoll is in it from all the John Waters movies. Nice. Bud Court from Harold and Maud plays Mick Stoll's husband. Wow, they just got everybody. Yeah. Man. Richard Mole from Night Court. I have a lot of 80s TV references in here. Yeah, um, no kidding. Julie Delpy's in it. Michelle Williams is in it. Like wow. it's a really, for a small movie, a really big cast. Yeah, yeah a really no kidding. interesting cast. Anyway, speaking of turning 80s summer camp movies on their heads, Wet Hot American Summer came out in 2001. Mm-hmm. And of course, I don't know if 
you know this, but you know it was a complete bomb at the box office. Yeah. yeah. There's another movie that caught an audience yeah. much later, or qu- later on video. Later, yeah. I, I wrote that it quickly cemented itself as one of the best it, cult comedies ever, so it didn't it did. take long for people to realize that they had missed. Right. And it's got a murderer's row of great fucking funny oh, yeah, people in definitely. it. definitely. You know? So most everybody knows, you know, what this movie is, but just so I can say it, Wet Hot American Summer is a satire of every summer camp movie ever that I've talked about this whole right. know, episode. And it sends them all up like it's it's a send up of all everything. Right. Yeah. So set in the 80s, it stars a bunch of comedians that weren't famous then, but now are. Right. It covers every trope. So counselors trying to get laid before the end of summer characters that aren't quite right until you realize they're gay. We have to stop the camp from being destroyed subplot, you know, right. sneaking away to do drugs. And and of course, everyone's wearing ridiculously short shorts, which is just in and, and high socks, high socks. The 80s movies are almost child pornography. The They're shorts are so. It's shorts not just the girls, short. the guys. I'm like, oh god, right. did we not? Did you wear short? No. I feel like you you're lying. Wear short, short. Well, of course I wore them. You I know, mean, like I'm, we're not talking about. I last mean, my, year. My, my parents bought them for me. That's what you I wore. Mean, I don't remember. You know, I'm probably, I bet you did. probably. Yeah, that's probably that's all that was out there. That's I want to live in a world where you wore really short shorts to well, to that, camp. That world is over. Yeah, to Cub Scout camp. Wet Hot American Summer, of course, got a spinoff prequel in the form of a Netflix series two years ago, yeah. and they're doing a sequel too. So I think. Oh, really? I think what they said is it's going to be the cast all meeting ten years after the original, and so that would be set in 1991. So there's Indian Summer, you know, kind of cast reunion nice. type of thing. Excellent. So, mm-hmm. I like I like both of those. I like that movie a lot. I like I the, the TV show as well. I thought it was yeah, great. Yeah, stupid as shit, but it's but, just but really. But they went for funny it. and yeah. was very knowledgeable of the tropes that it made fun of yeah and did a good job so i I enjoy it so i'm kind of rounding this out a little bit i want to talk a little bit about some because there are some kids movies that came out in the past that were decent you know um so i actually love the movie camp nowhere starring christopher lloyd and i forgot about that yeah i'm gonna speed through these but but if i remember right i think it was a bunch of kids that didn't want to go to their respective camp so like band camp jewish camp fat camp Mm -hmm. so they tricked their stoner bus driver into pretending that he was a camp counselor and they all just dicked around all summer like at a you know nice the plan of course is spoiled and so they have to make i'm gonna do a terrible job of explaining this but like it's like oh parents are all coming to parents day at summer camp so they have to make the camp look like every different summer camp but like all at the same time so oh, it's nice. like fat camp parents are over there where it's look, supposed to look like fat camp and mm-hmm. Jewish kids over there where it's supposed to look like Jewish camp and they have to you know do all the things I don't know yeah, yeah. I liked it when I was a kid <laughs> there was the movie Heavyweights which was, I was waiting about, for you to get yeah, to this one. middle school age kids at a fat camp I watched this recently so when did that first of all when did that come out 94 I think I, I never watched this movie but it just looked like bad and uh-huh probably offensive it was kind of funny it wasn't really all right we're good 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 Fat people love food right that's probably that, it, that was probably the moral of the story that, yeah well they, they're so fat and they slip on the food that they're eating right. all the time which that's is figure. all over their food that's and what then that they movie fart. looked like it looked like kids eating and then falling down a lot but learning important they did learn about. a lesson at the end yes all right, all right. of course with these few great examples of redefining kind of the summer camp genre they're the terrible ones there was daddy day camp starring oscar winner cuba gooding jr yeah uh for some reason american pie presents band camp from 2005 which was the fifth of eight American Pie movies. Right. Hollywood is garbage. That whole presents um, thing. They were like, something. here's something different. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And I feel like Eugene Levy was in all of them. God, I'm sure. Poor guy. I mean, someone, someone's got to pay for all of this. I know. 
Eugene Levy stardom. I'm embarrassed to say that I've actually seen the Jonas Brothers slash Demi Lovato <laughs> Disney TV vehicle Camp Rock from 2008. I've actually seen this movie more than one time. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. It's a musical about a privileged white kids uh, that go to a performing arts camp and reenact a camp version of pretty much the high school musical, you know, formula. That's embarrassing, but I I feel better that I got it off my chest. I've seen it more than once. You're going to have to ask for forgiveness next time you go to Jesus camp. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, We'll see. We'll see. um, I end this episode on all of these shitty movies just to prove (laughs) that no matter how great a redefinition of the subgenre is, someone is always going to come along and ruin it with a bunch of shitty knockoffs. All right. So that is my episode on Summer Camp Schlock. What do you think? Great. Hmm? I'm glad you mentioned heavyweights. I was going (laughs) to. But uh, no, it's such an interesting like and very specific niche situation for a, a movie or a film or whatever. You know, it exists to sort of take adults out of the fray and have the little social thing. I mean, if you want to dig into it, if you give a shit, it, it gives you a chance to like say, okay, adults are there, but they're, they're peripheral. So you're, you're stuck in close proximity with a bunch of other kids right. you have to deal with. At summer camp, it's putting a whole bunch of people that don't know each other into this situation. Anything can happen, right. you know? And of course, that's why, you know, the pranks were like such a huge thing. And then of course, sex is a big thing because it's at that time of where like kids are starting to understand about sex. But then you've got the horny camp counselors that are, you know, usually college students. Right. So the area is ripe for content. Right. If yeah. And the bridge, out, bridge is always yeah. out. So you're kind of fucked. Yeah. No, the great episode. It's this was a good topic to do. I'm glad that we had two people that suggested yeah, and Andrew and Paul. Thanks. Yeah. I hope I did it justice. And so. we will see you next week. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find links to some of the movies we talked about today, along with pictures, videos, and additional resources, as well as Sunday Slum Day, our weekly recommendation for the best and sometimes worst films every Sunday night. If you want to keep up with us, we're on Facebook and Twitter where we share out a lot of additional content. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies. thought we agreed that wasn't going to happen again. I thought maybe you just wanted to hear it like just one more time just for so you could remember it. For, no. No? Okay. Mm-mm. Got it.